Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Becca Cantor. Becca is the editorial director of the Jewish Book Council and its annual literary journal, Paper Brigade. She received an MA in creative writing from the University of East Anglia and spent a year in Estonia on a Fulbright scholarship writing and studying the country's Jewish history, and another year in Germany volunteering at the Neugamma Concentration Camp Memorial. She lives in Brooklyn and is working on her first novel. Welcome, Becca. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. So great to have you here today. I've been looking forward to this. We uh, work a lot with the Jewish Book Council and thought it would be really fun to get you on air to share with our readers some of your recommended reads. So, Before we get started, I wonder if you can just give a little brief overview of uh, the Jewish Book Council, the history, and sort of what you're all about. Sure, absolutely. Um, So we're a nonprofit dedicated to educating and enriching the community through Jewish literature. And we actually have a number of different facets. Uh, We administer the National Jewish Book Awards. We run the JVC Network Authors Platform. We have book club resources. Um, And then on the editorial side, we publish book reviews, interviews, and essays online, plus our annual print literary journal, Paper Brigade. Great. And you guys have been doing this for a long, long time. It's a um, a great organization. (laughs) Yeah, we, we, our roots are in 1944, I believe, and we've gone through several different iterations. Then we started as Jewish Book Week, um, and now we're Jewish Book Council. Cool. So um, I asked if you would come on to the schmooze and share a few recommendations, and let's go in no particular order here. Um, maybe start with the recently released The Lost Settle by Max Gross. And I think it's kind of important, maybe, to point out that this is a work of fiction, which you may address anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I I guess, yeah, so you and me pick three books, and um, they're all very different books. They're all featured this year um, in our forthcoming issue of Paper Brigade, which is going to come out later this month. I'm really excited about all three of them. And first, before I dive into The Lost Shuttle, which I'm really excited to do, um, just something that I found about all three of these books um, is that they all deal with this question of what happens when your world shifts dramatically and you have to navigate circumstances that are really totally unexpected and unfamiliar. Um, And that really reminds me of the reality that a lot of us are dealing with today in the pandemic. So each of these, they're very different books, but they all address that in some way. Um, And as you said, The Lost Shuttle just came out a week ago today, which was really exciting. Um, The premise of this book is this question of what if there was a shuttle in Eastern Europe that somehow escaped modernity. So a shuttle that was so isolated that it wasn't affected by the Holocaust or actually by any of 20th century history. And life just continued there as if it were 1900 or something instead of 2020. Um, I love this book. It has the charm and the engrossing plot and the humor of a folk tale. Um, It's narrated actually by a nameless Kreskel, that's the name of the town dweller who might even, he sort of sounds like he might be the town historian or storyteller. Um, but the book also, so it's a novel, as you said, and it also can sort of subverts or questions these conventions and tone, 
when we, the readers, and the villagers themselves are confronted with the outside world. So just to give you sort of like quick summary of what happens in the book with no spoilers. Um, so we first learn that the relationship between two newlyweds in the town of Kresko, this, this shtetl, has quickly gone wrong. They get divorced, and then quickly thereafter, they both disappear um, independently. Um, and no one knows what has happened. The rabbi begins to get so worried that there might have been some foul play um, that he takes the unprecedented step of sending a teenaged orphan named Yankel to the nearest town to seek out the non-Jewish authorities, the policemen, because he feels like this might be more serious than, than what we've expected. Um, so it's, then it's through Yankel's story and journey that we realize this isn't actually a timeless folktale. It's a story really firmly set in modern times. And when Yangle finally returns to the village a few months later in a helicopter, um, which totally shocks all of the villagers there, we realize that nothing can ever really be the same for the village uh, after that. So that's kind of the quick um, summary. And I'll say that I'm not giving any spoilers away because you learn all this uh, quite quickly in the sort of first chapter of the book. Um, but what, what really sort of, sort of strikes me about it, um, especially sort of in, in consideration of the times that we're living through right now, um, are the polarizations and the schisms in the town as people either cling to the old ways of doing things or wholeheartedly embrace the new, the new money, the new cultural ways that come through the, um, the presence of new people in the town. Um, and also people like Gengel having to grapple with the darker side of village life. The fact that society might be great if you fit certain criteria, but not if you don't. And a lot of these criteria are a bit arbitrary, for instance, because Yangle's mother was or rumored to be, we're not really sure, a prostitute, his place in the town is always going to be kind of limited, and he ends up sort of seeking his fortune elsewhere. Um, and this, you know, this reminds me of, of how the pandemic really forced us to look at our own society. The inequality is the way that we do things that work and the way that we do things that really doesn't work. Um, and also the polarization of our community, where the cultural clash here in this novel is between the Jews and the shtetl and the outside world, but it also comes from within the community itself. Um, so I have to say that I immediately thought of this book when you asked me to come on the podcast. It's such a rich, imaginative, unique portrait of a Yiddish-speaking world um, Yiddish is such a big part of the book, just in the plot level, the community is entirely Yiddish speaking, um, and this directly impacts a lot of the story, um, when they leave the village and realize that other people don't, and they have to get by somehow, um, and, but Max Gross, the author, also examines that Yiddish speaking shtetl world, and, and shows that it's not just a self-contained relic, it has significance for our own world, today. So I think that anyone who appreciates that will really just find this book fascinating. Yeah, for me, I think it's an interesting construct because in Yiddish literature, there's certainly a lot of examples of um, writers who 
grapple with the arrival of modernity instead of life and going out into a, a larger world? And, and how do you bridge those two worlds? So to me, um, the construct of the novel for this is an interesting way to consider history, uh, you know, or maybe, uh, you know, revisit history in a way, but with a different kind of a lens. You know, I had a history teacher who once said, history always um, repeats itself. So interesting to hear your takeaway um, uh, on this book. Yeah. So it's a, it's a great recommendation, and I think there's much to uh, unpack, as we say, um, after reading it. So next on your list is the book of Adana Moreau. Um, eager to hear your thoughts, um, both on the work and also how it weaves Jewishness into the story, if you agree yeah. that that thread is there. Yes, it's strongly there. Um, this so this is the lost book of Adana Moreau. It's by Michael Zapata, and it came out um, this past February, so almost, I guess, a year ago now, which is crazy to think about. Well, not quite, I guess. Um, so just to give, I guess I'll give a quick uh, summary of the plot at first. Um, it begins in the Dominican Republic in 1916 with a young woman named Adana. Her parents are killed by American Marines and she meets a man who is a pirate. Um, they fall in love and she follows him to New Orleans. So they have a son, Maxwell, and Adana eventually writes this incredible work of science fiction called Lost City. Um, and she begins to work on a sequel called Model Earth, but she falls ill and before she dies, she burns it in a fire. So we learn all this and then the story skips ahead to uh, 2005 in Chicago where Saul, who's an Israeli immigrant, his parents have been killed when he was just a small kid in a bus bombing, um, and he now has moved to Chicago to be with his grandfather. Um, but at this time, his grandfather passes away, and he inherits this unpublished sequel, a manuscript of it, of A Model Earth by Donna Moreau. Um, and he's asked, uh, Max, uh, sorry, Saul's grandfather has asked Saul to return it to a Maxwell Moreau, who Saul's never heard of. Um, and fulfilling this wish isn't very easy. And the rest of the book sort of goes back and forth between past and present. And as these two stories converge, um, what I think is really beautiful about this book is that Michael Zapata creates this portrait of an America filled with refugees. Almost everyone in the story has experienced a disaster that's completely overturned their world. Um, but a main theme is also how these lost worlds can be bridged through stories and, had, and how these stories can form these incredibly strong bonds between the tellers, even when they come from very, very different backgrounds. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting was I actually had the pleasure of talking with Michael at our JBC Authors at the Table series. And he explained that his father was from Ecuador and his mother's ancestors are Lithuanian Jews. And this novel was really inspired by all of their stories that he heard growing up, as well as many different other stories. Um, I love this book because on the one hand, it's whimsical. It's an adventure tale full of magical realism and stories within stories and alternate worlds. Um, but on the other hand, it's also very, very much about the real world, kind of like the lost shtetl. It's very much about the real world and its issues, 
like racism or anti-Semitism or being a migrant and all that that entails. And what I also thought about it, particularly for you guys, was that it's fundamentally about the power of language and the possibilities contained within language. Um, a Yiddish word, actually, that I learned from reading this book that I thought was beautiful um, is that one character calls another a Luftmensch. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and, and the narrator says that this is a Yiddish phrase that loosely meant someone who exists in a cloud of possibility. And I, I think that the same thing could really be said of this book, that it gives hope that when there's seismic change, there's also tremendous potential for good things. Um, and, you know, you asked about the Jewish portion of the book, um, I touched on it a bit, but I also just want to add that in Paper Brigade, in this forthcoming issue, we're actually exerting a section that's about when young teenage Maxwell comes, sort of journeys from New Orleans to Chicago in the 1930s. Um, he meets a, this, this excerpt sort of starts when he meets a young Jewish boy around the same age who promises to help him find his father who's disappeared. Um, another one that uh, should be on everybody's list. And let's go to your third selection, which is Long Live the Tribe of Fatherless Girls. This is a memoir, um, and it, again, seems very topical um, in terms of much of what it tackles within this memoir. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this one, and it actually it came out last year, I believe, and then this past March in paperback. Um and to go to your point, I mean, as I was saying earlier, all three of these books are really about a collision or a, a fusion of cultures. And then this one, it's kind of different from others because, as you mentioned, it's a memoir, um, and this and this fusion really happens mostly internally, although there's also ex external aspects to it too. Um, so it focuses on Tahir Madden, who's who's always felt out of place. She goes up, grows up in a wealthy community in Florida. Her mother is Chinese-Hawaiian, and her father is Ashkenazi Jewish. She grows up with this really interesting mixture of Mormon, Buddhist, Hawaiian, and Jewish beliefs. Um, for the first few years of her life, her parents aren't married, and her father's married to someone else, and she's raised by her mother. As she grows older, she also struggles to figure out her own sexuality, and she also comes to terms with her childhood sexual abuse without really any guidance either. Her father passes away when she's in her early 20s. And even though she's not an orphan, unlike actually the protagonists of both the other two books I've mentioned where the protagonist is an orphan, um, but nonetheless, even when she's a child, her parents aren't fully there in the sense that they're struggling with addiction and they haven't really left her a roadmap or a template to life. And her the story is really about finding almost like through trial and error, a community and a family of your own. Um, so in this issue of the forthcoming um, paper brigade, we actually have a, an, an interview between Tikir Madden and Danny Shapiro, and they're talking about very similar things. One thing that I thought was really beautiful in what Tikira says is that growing up, she always felt so much pressure from the outside world to choose one identity, you know, whether Jewish or not, for example, before she just realized that this was impossible. She couldn't choose. 
Um, and likewise, as you mentioned, this, this memoir, I think, is so topical. And then it also doesn't choose just one aspect of life to focus on. Instead, it's a very honest, raw look at a person in all their complexity. Um, and I, I think it's great that stories of complex identity, stories about different identities coexisting, um, which I think, you know, that Michael Zapata in particular also really addresses in a kind of different way in his novels, um, is getting more attention. Um, the fact is that they're just very common, these stories in today's world, and really always have been uh, common. You know, on a sort of personal note, the story reminded me in a lot of ways of my mom. Her parents weren't married. Her father was Jewish. Her mother wasn't. Her father was loving, but kind of absent. And there's also this clash of cultures. So my grandma was raised in China. Her parents were missionaries. Um, my grandfather was born in Estonia. So it just really resonated with me. And I feel that it will resonate with a lot of people, just how complex Jewish identity really can be in today's world and always have been. Um, and, I, and I also think that even though this memoir, just to say, deals with a lot of really hard things. And, and I think in some ways was hard for me to read just because it impacted me emotionally so much. So I guess a good kind of difficult. Um, it's also a really hopeful book too. And it shows how you can kind of create a new family in the face of loss and heal by, you know, reconnecting with family maybe that you didn't even realize you had, not to give too much away. Um, but, and I think that's also just such a strong message also for today's world. Well, these are really interesting selections um, in different genres. Um, so I thank you for selecting them. And you must have a very enviable job being able to read all of these many books, yes? I think so, but I love my job, I have to say. I feel very lucky to be able to do it. Um, and if I may ask you, is there a book on your nightstand now that you want to just tell us you're reading? Yes, Nicole Krause's new um, collection of short stories. It's not on my nightstand yet. Um, I'm waiting for it to arrive. It's going to be out on November, I forget actually when, but early November, I think th November 3rd. Great. Um, well, I appreciate you joining me today, and I do hope um, that you'll come back in a few months when we've worked our way through these books um, with some more recommendations, yes? I would love to. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. Well, it's a great, yeah, it's a great season. Uh, the book is the perfect companion for this time of year or any time of year. And quickly, for anybody in, uh, who is interested in sort of getting some more recommended reads from the Jewish Book Council, the URL is? Um, it's www.jewishbookcouncil.org. Um, also, I would... Just a quick plug for Paper Read. Um, if you're interested in having a overview of the Jewish literary landscape here in the U.S. and abroad that has a mixture of fiction, interviews, poetry, um, visual arts, I would highly recommend Paper Brigade as well for just the snapshot of the year in Jewish literature. Wonderful. Well, I look forward to speaking with you again soon, and thanks again for taking the time today. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. 
To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon. Thank you.